you're listening to WRBH Radio, 88.3 FM. This is your host of New Orleans by Mouth, Chef Amy Sins. And here on this cold, wet, and chilly, blistery day outside, I have here in the studio uh, Hugh Tan of Ken Restaurant. And I am so glad. And if y'all, I'm going to have to take a picture because if y'all could see this cute little hat he has on today, I may have to steal it from him. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm you. doing well. Thank you. Well, Hugh, um, for my listeners out there, I'm going to tell you all a funny story about Hugh and how I met him. During some of our flood relief efforts uh, just this year, he offered to send some food to Houston. And we connected via Facebook, like so many people. It's an amazing medium for that. And the picture on his Facebook was a picture of his lovely wife. And so I wasn't really sure who I was talking to. So we we're going back and forth by Facebook and text message, not actually having a real in-person conversation. He shows up with all the food, drops it off, and I say, thank you so much. Tell your wife we really appreciate all this food. Give him a hug. And then I check my text messages, and he's like, great to meet you. And I went, oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But you like to kind of be incognito like that, right, man? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I just updated the picture. It's still a picture of my wife. <laughs> well, it is. Well, I mean, I think it's great because sometimes, you know, is your wife actually on Facebook herself, too? She is. She yes, is. So she is. now it's even more confusing for people with the same last name and you just like to mess with them? <laughs> no, I, I just don't like the way I look. <laughs> oh, come on. But no, um, mainly because I, I, it's the incognito thing. I just don't like to be too public. Mm. Um, just like to go to work and do work. That's it, you know. Well, so let's talk about going to work and doing work. And you have your restaurant, which is Ken Restaurant. Mm -hmm. How did you get there? How did, how did hey, I'm going to open up this <laughs> restaurant, kind of staying incognito, being incognito, not having a website. Right. But I'm going to open up this crazy successful restaurant. Where did that come from? Um, what's my wife? Uh, it actually was. Uh, we were in school together at Xavier University. And... Um, at the time, uh, we were dating, and she took me out to dinner one time for my birthday, and um, we went to Gotros, where I met Sue. Not that <laughs> night, but uh, I saw her, and mind you, I had never cooked before in my life, and so um, she she told me like the chef is you know that lady over there, and I said, wow, that's crazy. You know, the food's amazing. Um, the chef is a woman. You know, I mean that that was actually surprise surprise for me. Um, it shows how provincial I am, right? <laughs> um, and, you know, she was like, look, if, you know, if you don't know what you want to do in life, maybe you should consider cooking or something, you know? And so I said, yeah, I guess so. Maybe if I do, hopefully I'll get a job here. And, um, so I finished college a year after that because she graduated and I couldn't, you know, just wally gag around school waiting for her anymore. <laughs> so, um, I volunteered a little bit and afterwards, um, decided to go to culinary school. Went to Delgado uh, for one semester. And, you know, this was when I started watching stuff on the Food Network. And I was like, oh, man, I want to be those guys, you know. I want to, like, really get out there. And then I realized that uh, that's a really, really long, long journey. And <laughs> Delgado just wasn't moving fast enough. And it's not their fault. It was because I was you know, stupid and ambitious. You, know, you were but, impatient and yeah, you right. wanted to reach your goal. Yeah, that's the story of my life. Stupid and ambitious. But um, 
So John Bash had his, um, was that Chef, Rising Chef program or something like that, where it's a mm -hmm. scholarship. And I didn't qualify because, you know, you need like a year of experience, I think, in order to apply. So um, the school that was sponsoring that program, we decided, hey, if he likes it, maybe it's a good idea. I don't know. So we, you know, we decided to just go for it. And I moved over to New York, um, enrolled in there. I think it's called the International Culinary. Yeah. Something now. Yeah, the ICC. ICC or something. Mm -hmm. I've been through so many names. And, uh, yeah, there's like six <laughs> names of it. The International yeah. Culinary Center, I think right. is the something, name. Yeah. Um, I got to meet Jack Pepper. Man, that was nice. Uh, but you know, to be honest with you, I don't think I learned much while I was there. Uh, it, it was really during stages and working at, you know, um, the jobs that I worked over there, uh, along with um, volunteering at the, uh, was at the, uh, oh man, it's uh, something called God's Love We Deliver, and it's basically, um, they do prepared meals for in-need people, and it's all volunteer-based, um, and so you would, you know, you would just meet people from all walks of life come in. Commit various amounts of hours. Uh, some of them are there for like days, you know, and uh, entire days actually. Um, so Sundays were my were my days there, and uh, it was nice because you know it's a good way to like hone your knife skills, cutting like fifty to hundred pounds of vegetable at a time. Um, and that was where I learned a lot of the actual cooking, um, you know, just working. And so. That, that those six months were over, I was offered, you know, some jobs and had to make a decision on whether or not to stay or to go back. Um, I really missed home, so I told my girlfriend, now wife, um, May, that um, I'll visit and if I apply for a job and I don't get it, then I'll go back over there. And so went home, applied at Gotro's. I love that me. you went back in a full circle. You full said, circle. I'm going to eat at this place. I'm going to work for this lady. And you did. Yes, I did. Because um, I was just so inspired by her. You know, it was amazing because it's, it's, for me, I've always, I've grew up in a pretty patriarchal kind of like, you know, culture, let alone a family that's kind of like that, you know. And so it was a big shock for me to see a, a woman that was leading something that was just amazing, you know, absolutely amazing. And here in a restaurant in the middle of, like, Uptown that has no sign, right? <laughs> Looks like a house. That's where you <laughs> fell in love with being incognito. I did. I absolutely did, you know? And what was what was also bittersweet about that was that she she was just so fierce, you know? And, and yet she didn't get that kind of, like, fanfare that you see a lot of, like, other chefs got. And so I remember telling her um, that I would work for her for free because um, I really wanted that job. And I really didn't need the money. So <laughs> I thought I was like, I'll work for you for free, uh, you know, and, until you get your James Beard or something. <laughs> something like that. Something along those effects, actually. Maybe actually verbatim. Um, <laughs> and she thought it was funny. She, I mean, she paid me, you know, well at that. Um, but uh, right after she got her James Beard, I put him on one month's notice. <laughs> oh, wow. And then, so... You know, I imagine you learn so much in the, the kitchens over there and under Sue. She's amazing. But the style of food that you're cooking now is completely different it than is. what you cooked over at Gotro's. Absolutely. Um, I love that food. Uh, I, I love that kind of, you know, haute cuisine kind of thing. 
I mean, I fell in love with it. That's the, that's the reason why I got into cooking. But when I was in um, New York, there were a lot of these ramen places that I went to that were like just amazing. And, you know, we didn't have any of that down here. I mean, we had noodle and pie, right? Mm-hmm. Which, is, which is great because, you know, Brian did a brave thing by starting something that really nobody was doing here. Um, and actually, I had a diner yesterday that came in that said uh, something to the effect of um, there are places that serve ramen and then there are ramen places. Ah. You know, and and that was what I think I was missing here in the city. Um, and, you know, there were so many people in this arena already doing, um, I guess, that kind of like fine dining or even just elevated cuisine in general, you know. Um, and it didn't make sense for me to to try to, like, compete with that, yeah. I suppose. I'm just one talentless, like, guy just really, like, you know, like meaning, like, in a sense that there's just so much more talent out there. When and you can make a way with right. with what you like. Right. Like, you know, there's no need to keep pushing mediocrity, you know. And so um, I, I understood that, you know, there was something I do want that I can commit to. And there's something that I do like, but I feel like maybe I can't necessarily commit to that. Because, again, I can go out and eat at any other restaurant here in the city and enjoy the same kind of food done better than what I could do, you know. So... Um, when we opened Ken, we started with a monthly menu that um, was more so kind of like a fine dining kind of thing. But that was because I had no knowledge of ramen. And I've never been to Japan. I have no Japanese lineage. Um, I mean, the furthest I've gotten to, to that is I married a Chinese woman, you know? <laughs> and, and her parents had, you know, a Chinese restaurant. But beyond that, um, this was all new to me. Everything was new. Um, and we had to learn about, you know, different types of broths that, um, traditional Japanese ramen, uh, entails. We had to learn, um, just everything. It was the opposite, I think, of a lot of, uh, Western cooking techniques. Um, you know, since, you know, in school you would, they would teach you to make like a clear consomme, right? And you, you would have to raft it, do all this jazz. They don't do any of that over there. You know I mean? Actually, one of the most popular broths that they have, the tonkatsu style one, it's you have to boil the crap out of your bones. You know, like you, you, you have to boil it for like days sometimes just to get it to like emulsify, to break down, which you don't see in, you know, Western broths. They, they tend to be either enriched with cream or something or dairy or something like that, or you thicken it, you know, some other way. But these people are just taking bones and boiling the hell out of it. <laughs> so whenever you said, I'm going... I. I I just love this. My, I embrace adventure, and I love when people step out into the unknown, follow their dream, and just go for it and are all in. So, you know, how did you even start to learn? Like, did you just start watching videos? <laughs> did you order books? You no, know, what I, was your process? Um, I'm glad you asked that. We we didn't want um, to indoctrinate ourselves. Uh, I said we because um, in the beginning it was myself, um, my chef partner, uh, Nyut Nguyen. Um, I can't give him enough credit. He he helped us like basically start this business, you know. Really talented guy. Um, he's not with us anymore. Um, and uh, someone who's still with us now, which is uh, Matt Angle. And his buddy, Jason. Um, Jason makes our noodles. Um, Matt pretty much runs my business. <laughs> um, he's amazing. Um, but anyway, so we, we started with not wanting to indoctrinate ourselves with how other people are doing it. 
we just wanted to understand what the the quintessential, or I guess the key traits of each types of broths and what kind of traits we are looking for in our product. Um, you know, like when we go out to eat like a bowl of ramen noodles or if we were to open an instant noodle package, what, what makes this product sell? You know, what is it that people like about this? And that was what we were going for. We were going for basically as a consumer, what do I want? And so we developed our product around that, excuse me. Um, so um, that was hard because you're working at it backwards, kind yeah. of, you know, you're, you're working at it kind of like you're, you're manufacturing a product as opposed to you're developing, um, I guess, I, I want to make this creative dish, this beautiful dish, and, you know, what kind of elements am I putting? No, we're not looking at that. We're like, okay, let's break this down. Um, it's a bowl of soup. So it's a starch, some liquid, some protein, you know, and we just worked on each one of those components individually until uh, we got to where we were. Um, uh, and, you know, we've probably been through like a thousand different recipes, um, just testing over and over. And luckily for us, you know, the city was willing to pay for it. <laughs> so, um, I mean, our early diners, God, God bless them. You know, some of them are actually still with us regularly. Um, they they ate some really bad stuff. <laughs> you know, I think we all go through that. I think we've all, I, I have fed some stuff to my husband that I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe he ate that. You know, and he's like, he's like, baby, why aren't you eating? Oh, I ate so much while I was cooking. I'm already full. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but yes, God bless the people who put up right. with our creative mistakes. Yes, absolutely. But it, it took all of those steps to get there because we were getting feedback from our diners. Um, our first, our very first noodle recipe, I remember making, the day I made it to actually, um, it was super dense. Uh, it took forever to cook. Um, now I say forever because, uh, we tried, um, a product that, that's basically a manufactured noodle. It's manufactured by a really popular, um, company with ramen operations. Um, I, I think actually a lot of people in the city use it. Um, their their cooking times range from I think thirty seconds to a minute and a half, depending on the thickness of the noodle. Wow! And the type of noodle that you choose to buy from them. And I think they also make it according to your recipe if you're willing to pay enough money for it, I guess. But our noodle cooks in ten seconds. Wow! From raw um, to the perfect like al dente that we think it should be. Um, so in boiling water, you throw it in ten seconds later. You can time it, um, and it'll float and it's ready to go. And that's it. Well, so I, I love this because, um, you know, I think all of us, every now and then we, we go, okay, I'm going to embark on something I've never done in the kitchen. And I remember someone sent me a blog post of a person doing these pulled noodles uh, and you yes. pull them and you shake them and they were so much fun. And I kept going, okay, these are really dense. These are really heavy. And in true... New Orleans style. I'm like, oh, it's the weather. It's the humidity. That's why. It's, it's not error yeah. on the part of yes. the cook, right? Yes. <laughs> so whatever you're coming up with, are, are you hand-pulling these? Or are they going through a pot, like a pasta uh, machine? How do you do that? Um, well, they, they're so dry. They're like, they're super lean. They're like just like lean pasta, you know? There's just no richness in them. Um, and this is actually something that has plagued us since the beginning is we have to sheet them out. We have to sheet them. Um, I think even in mass production, um, those companies also sheet their noodles out. And we're looking to get like a, like a large kind of commercial size noodle machine. 
Um, and that also sheets it out too. Um, so that's just the process. It has to be sheeted. If you made it by hand, you have to roll it out. And there's it just there's no stretching. It's not rice-based. It's not um, tapioca or cornstarch-based. So, you know, it's flour. It's just wheat flour. And so, yeah, you have to sheet it. And, man, that thing is so tough. It breaks, like, pasta attachments. It broke my Imperia. You know, it's like a $2,000 <laughs> pasta sheeter. Six months later, boom, it's broken. You know, I just sent it off. Um, so we're back to old school with KitchenAid attachments. I've got like, you know, a closet full of them. <laughs> I've gotten to the point where I can repair them now. Um, but yeah, it, it's, you, you have to get a commercial noodle maker. That's what it is. Well, you know, I think it's fun because when, you know, we start hearing about, uh, you know, ramen in New Orleans and like, oh my gosh, now, you know, there's the opportunity to go have ramen. I think we all have those flashbacks to our college dorm rooms where you're like, okay, for like a dollar i can have all of this or i could have you know vegetables and all this stuff for forty dollars so i'm gonna just buy this giant pack of ramen noodles and eat them and there was a point where i had a roommate that ate them so much like i could not even i couldn't even smell it or see it or look (laughs) at it because like I swear she's going to turn into a ramen noodle, right? Right. But I, th- you know, I think it's important for us to all go. Okay, it's it's a different experience, you know, and what is. you have available, and so what we are familiar with. Um, maybe there's a, a hint of that, but yes. there's so much more. Well, there is a lot more actually. Um, so most ramen operations, um, and I'm painting a really broad stroke, but I do feel that this is most of what they do. Um, everything is pretty much pre-cooked or par-cooked. You're just, um, you're just dropping noodles and then, you know, the broth's already hot. You put your flavoring agent, which could be a a tari, which is a soy-based kind of like sauce, uh, or some kind of salt, uh, a seasoned salt. And then you would ladle your broth, drop your noodles, um, and then assemble by adding, you know, the accoutrements, which for the most part are already all cooked too. Um, we're the opposite of that. We cook everything to order. We, we cook our vegetables that we top our bowls with to order. Um, the proteins are, are like sauteed to order, uh, glaze to order. Um, so there's a lot of room for mistake there. You know, uh, consistency is like the biggest thing for us as, you know, as cooks, right? And I'm running an operation where I'm supposed to be selling a fast product really slowly. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, when you see a line there, it's not because, you know, we're not, we're just a tiny space, but also because we're cooking everything to order. And I I had to like, I wrap myself every night trying to figure out how to justify the amount of labor and the price point because, you know, I'm encroaching a price point that even I'm not willing to pay for. <laughs> and so... You know, I want the consumer to be happy, right? I want the diners to come in and be like, hey, this is, you know, some quality-made stuff cooked, like, right in front of my face because we do have an open kitchen um, and served to me as fast as they could possibly make it. Um, I could make it faster by just pre-cooking everything. But then why am I charging you that much money? Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, and there, there's something about, you know, the the time, the energy, the love, the flavor that builds when you are cooking it to order versus it yes. sitting and reducing on the stove and absolutely it, yeah. it, it doesn't have the same love. No, no, not at all. Um, we have uh, this one vegan dish, and um, it's just about like 
eight or nine or ten different vegetables and you have to saute it to order and you have to stage it because you're st you know you can't just throw it all in a pan and heat it all up um so it's you know it's like hard vegetables root vegetables and then there's like the tender stuff and you know it's, it's stuff that you have to get a char on and stuff that you don't want to get a char on all of that in the end of the you know at the end of the day it's the cheapest bowl we have on the menu and people love it but i don't think uh there's enough people who understand just how much work goes into that just that bowl i'd rather you buy the the, the you know the tonkatsu because all i gotta do is cook some pork belly and brussels sprouts for that for you, <laughs> you know but yeah it's just it, it's that kind of cooking it's that kind of like alamanu cooking that i miss from you know when i was doing the other kind of cuisine but you can incorporate that into this if you wanted to is what i was saying you know it's just it's not you don't have to stick to the strict guidelines of the traditional stuff you know well why don't you tell our listeners you know where they can find you when you're open and <laughs> what you think they should order if it's their first time to to come and see you at the restaurant gotcha um I, I really think that uh it's not hard to find us we're just it's just we're just an island in the middle of you know nowhere but um <laughs> down washington before the jefferson davis uh and Earhart intersection we're to the right and we're this yellow building it's uh, 4600 washington avenue um and you know when you get there um i don't think there's any wrong answers um but i i do like uh our current um brisket kind of bowl it's a, it's a brisket setup it has uh a broth that's made with beef bones and uh, uh i guess a ton of aromatics um and just some, you know, just some braised brisket. It's really simple, you know. Um, and we serve it with a, a slaw, and um, which I think isn't traditional at all. I don't think I've seen any like ramen bowls um, with slaws in them. But, but you know, it's a textual thing, yeah. right? It's a textual thing. I, I wanted to offer a bowl that's an entirely composed dish, not just you know some soup and noodles. Um, and it's definitely not for you know. The, the the Instagram I'll tell you that much I mean it's a messy bowl to eat but um, <laughs> and you yeah. know you probably have to take that into consideration when you're doing stuff you're like oh my god they're gonna take yeah. a picture of this <laughs> right absolutely um, but that comes back to yeah I mean we we take pictures of the food that we sent out you know um, we don't have a website like you were mentioning earlier um, and we don't share our menus uh, just because you know I I I'd rather you just come. Uh, I'd rather you just come and sit down and look at the menu, and if you don't want to stay, then that's fine. You know, I, I respect that. That's your money. You're you're due to that. And you know, if you order it and you didn't like it, you paid for it, so you have the right to say you know whatever you would like to say about it. Um, so far, we've been lucky. You know, very good reviews. But <laughs> but um, it's a struggle. You know, because you're cooking everything on a menu, and you're hiring people to replicate something that is literally done differently every time they pick up the pan. Um, which is a struggle, but that's a risk that I'm, I would rather take than to, I guess, mass produce, pre-cook everything. Um, and, but yeah, to come back to like the whole, like, yeah, somebody's going to take a picture of this. Well, we take pictures of the food that we sent out. So, you know, it's not like it's staged and I'm by no means a, a food stylist. Um, and so, and we just, you know, we just take it right there at the expedite station, but right before we send it to you. Uh, and our Instagram is just pictures of people's food. That's what it is. It's, it's, you know, it's not our food. It's food that people pay for. <laughs> um, 
And if you like what you see and, and you want to know what that picture is of, then you would either call or come on in. You know, I don't describe what the dish is. I don't try to sell you the bowl. I just give you the picture and whatever's on my mind at the time. That's it. Well, it, it, it sounds like a really, you know, a good opportunity for people to get a composed dish. You know, when you were saying it's not it's soup, but it's not just soup. Right. Yeah, there there's so much to it, and there's a lot of thought that goes into it. But for people that are used to certain styles of food, and they're used to their gumbo and not their noodle soup, this kind of gets them out of their comfort zone. A little adventure, a good opportunity to sit down, let your team kind of guide them in the direction that they need to try, mm-hmm. and then uh, maybe we'll be converting some people over, <laughs> right? Right. I really hope that. That there's more operations um, that'll come up, uh, you know. Maybe Brian will find a new space and he'll be able to come back. Um, maybe he'll do some udon noodles or something mm-hmm. like that, you know, some some soba noodles. But um, you know, we we do have some more people showing up now in this arena at least, um, and I'm really glad because I think you know once more people are aware that this at least this type of food exists. Maybe the more people will be willing to frequent these kinds of places. Um, my only concern, and this is why I brought Brian up so many times, is because, um, you know, he, he made his noodles. And, you know, that's, that's a big deal for me. Because if you're bringing a new food or a new type of food to a city that hasn't had it, you need to do it right. Yeah. You know, you need to set a standard for yourself and for a standard that your consumer can look at and be like, you know what, this is what we need in this city. You know, not like the, I guess, Applebee's version of it, you know? Well, and it set a standard for the competitors that moved in too. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But more so just so that you're offering the best. You're offering the best so that when tourists, let's just say from New York or from Texas, or from anywhere where, you know, this type of food exists, you know, commonly... When they come here and they're like, ooh, I'm looking for a ramen place, you know, they're like, wow, this is great. This is as good as at, ho- at home or even better, you know. And um, I think that that's really important because it, it brings more commerce to the city. And it gives us that one more facet that the city needs, you know, to, to really like sell ourselves to, to the rest of the world. Um, we can't just, you know, we, we can't just offer a lower standard than our next door neighbor in Texas. And there's plenty of places over there that do ramen so much better than we do here you know so yeah i mean that's yeah (laughs) it's a big deal well thank you so much i am so glad that you came into the studio today for our listeners out there you've been listening to hugh than from ken restaurant and uh we were talking ramen you need to get out there to ken for din and uh have some ramen Get a little adventure on, especially in this chilly, wet weather. It's a perfect day for a big bowl of noodle soup. You've been listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of New Orleans by Mouth, Chef Amy Sins. Until next time, ciao.